Hey there, this is Christy. Thank you so much for listening to Defiance in Death, my newest novel, also available on Amazon. Chapter 1. Only the boring stay dead. I'm an internet stalker. Each night after work, I sought his profile and read every ridiculous thing he posted. Unashamed in my invasion of his privacy, I'd like everything. Not bad for a passive-aggressive way to announce that he'd been in my thoughts. Not that he ever left them. From the moment I met him, his fractured spirit captured me. I had this thing about people. I cultivated friendships with the broken. I did whatever it took not to have to inspect the person in the mirror. Their lives were so much easier to focus on. Daria, a few of us are getting a beer after work. Are you in? He's so cute when he talks. The little dimple that sits just off the corner of his mouth made me want to poke him. He hadn't shaved today, which made me want to run my fingers down the side of his face to feel the stubble against my skin. God, I'm an idiot. Earth to Daria. He smells clean. How the heck can he make soap smell so good? There's something about a man who need not mask his natural scent with chemicals. Seriously, are you okay? With a sigh, I snapped out of my hormone-induced fog. I'm poverty-stricken this week. I can't afford to pay attention, obviously. He smiled again, and the dimple deepened. You drink cheap beer, and only two. I'm sure we can swing five bucks for you. Then count me in. I just need to finish up a few things here. Who's all coming? You, me, Alex, Tamara, Sheldon, and... He paused, so I knew I wouldn't like the next person whose name came out of his mouth. Sharon. Why on earth would you invite the boss to go drinking? I'm out. Of all the people I wouldn't mind getting intoxicated with, my anal retentive boss just wasn't one of them. I had nothing against the woman who signed my paychecks, but I liked the gaping Red Sea that separated our personal lives. You're still in. She's just a person, red blood cells and all. Besides, it'll do Alex good to network with her. You know they've passed him over for the last six promotions. Man, he used the Alex card. Anytime I've ever fallen behind on my work, which is pretty much every day, Alex is the first to offer his help. I couldn't possibly do anything that would stand in the way of him getting what he rightfully deserves. They could promote me to Sharon's job, and Alex can have mine... Then I'd be the boss, and everyone would avoid me like the plague. I think I'll have to pass on that. Fine, but I'm not singing. Curtis laughed. There's beer and karaoke. I bet you ten bucks you don't make it through your first bottle before you sign yourself up. We all know that deep inside that jaded little heart of yours lives a vivacious woman just waiting to be the center of attention. His laugh enveloped my ears and made me smile. God, why couldn't I like the bad guy douche-noggins like all the other women out there? Bad boys didn't stick women in the friend zone. Pretty girls past 30 do not get laid in the friend zone. I'm just saying. Lucky for you, I don't have ten bucks to bet you. Now go away and let me work before Sharon thinks I don't have enough to do. With a swivel of my chair, I turned back to my workstation and began the billing workup that I should have done two days ago. Since when did procrastination become a lifestyle choice? I remembered not too long ago when I wore eagerness like a cape and would have finished everything early. 
five shot down attempts to get ahead, my motivation amounted to that of my sex life. Non-existent. At this rate, Alex would be a manager before I would, and everyone knew the reason he wasn't already a manager was because he slept with the director's daughter. As soon as Curtis walked away, I turned right back around to watch him. He might not have much of an ass, but the tall, lanky gait he had when he walked made me think once again what he'd be like in bed. Every inch of him was just so long. Beep. The groan escaped my throat before I could clamp my lips together. It's bad enough she's invading my after-work activities, but now she wants me to do something irritating, like work. Daria, why are there sticky notes all over the Jefferson, Brendan, and Skull files? Perhaps, oh wise boss, if you read said sticky notes, the answer would magically appear before your eyes. Though I didn't say that to her, it felt good to think it. There's something wonky with those accounts. They need reviewed. Aren't you an accounts manager? I'm more than happy to review them further, but I thought you'd want to know before I did so. I don't have time to do my job and yours. I'll pick them up in a few minutes then. Is there anything else? Just keep me updated on what you uncover. All three are long-standing clients. If these findings are accurate, we need to tread lightly. Perhaps it wouldn't be a great idea to say that all three were fraudulent companies that had no actual employees. Every single social security number I'd traced went back to an infant that died in the early 1900s. The whole thing was just odd, and apparently I was the only one who'd ever noticed. This has corporate cover-up right on up to our strategy's unlimited eyebrows. I wanted to pass this off to Sharon, so I didn't have any part of the fallout. The companies had enough ties to military contracts and arsenals that they could lay siege to an entire population of humans. In my entire existence as an account specialist, I'd never seen one company win so many contracts as these three did. Combined with that they were all owned by the same person, and it set my conspiracy theory mind into overdrive. Will do. I need your billing on my desk in one hour or your entire team will not get paid next Friday. With that, she hung up. See, that is what I meant. On one hand, she's willing to let me tackle the bigger assignments without micromanaging me to death. And then she squashes my inner rebellion with threats of my team not getting paid. Like that would ever happen. My 12-account specialist would skin me alive and boil my remains to feed to the seagulls that roamed up and down this coast. Okay. It irritated her when I answered with letters. Once I sent her a text message that said, Running L8. She brought me into her office to discuss professionalism. Every subsequent text message started with HRU. How you? What can I say? In the core of my being, I'm a spoiled, petulant preteen just waiting to piss off my next authority figure. When it came time for them to deny me a promotion once again, then I'm sure I'll regret all this immature nonsense. I finished the billing in about 15 minutes. The sad part of my life was that I'm ridiculously good at my job. I work for a firm that acts as a check and balance system for conglomerate corporations. They hire us to review their company practices in things such as ethics, billing, advertising, and community involvement. We give them a rating that they then use to promote themselves in developing areas or at career building campaigns. I started as a temp about four years ago. Fresh-faced and college-educated, I'd been ready to take on the world. 
1,864 accounts later, I hated everything corporate-related. I have yet to see one company that wanted to be a strong presence in the community or pay their workers what they were worth. They just wanted a nice little A on their report card. We're basically the health department giving out ratings based on an archaic system that had no real basis in this century. Not to mention, I had a sneaking suspicion the entire setup was a fraud to cover up companies like Jefferson, Brendan, and Skoll, that, or I just watched too much crime television. These three were the dirtiest companies I'd ever seen, all owned by a woman named Winterborn. The world knew absolutely nothing about her. This woman controlled the weapons contracts for the U.S. military and a large chunk of foreign investments that dealt with technological warfare. Sharon's office stood about 12 feet from my humble desk. I switched out the billing folder for the folders of the three companies I'd spent the weekend investigating. One of the great perks of my job was that I only had to show up on Fridays. I spent most of my time in the field where I visited the companies. In the beginning, I signed on as an intern to get a feel for what it would be like to work there. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit my job and go work for some of these places that tried so hard to impress me. Strategies Unlimited made me sign a disclosure stating I wouldn't leave their employment for a company I'd investigated. They sucked like that. I finished the last bit of paperwork and cleared off my desk for the week. Clutter disturbed me in ways I couldn't explain, and I'd be spastic next week if I came back and things were out of place. Just as I walked by, Sharon poked her head out of her office door. Good night, Daria. It's been an adventure working with you. Uh, bye. What the heck kind of statement was that? She made it sound as though our work relationship was ending. Oh, thank God. If I'm getting fired, then I don't have to investigate why three of our biggest clients all carry the identification of dead people. Chapter 2. Death by Karaoke There's just something about a local bar that made your feet stomp, your ass shake, and your tongue dry as cotton. As the door opened, the deafening mixture of rock and country assaulted my ears. My taste buds perked up on my tongue to state a single demand. Beer. I've never been a fan of hard liquor. I don't need an excuse to act stupid, get naked, or be bold. When the higher authority created me, he gave me a healthy dose of exhibitionism and skimped on the common sense. No sooner had I walked in when a regular wrapped her intoxicated arm around me and said how happy she was to see me. Her name escaped me, but drunk people liked everyone, and I was her new best friend. Daria! A chorus of voices chimed out my name as I found my small crew of friends in the back corner of the bar, right beside the karaoke stage. How convenient. Curtis sat at the Curtis end, sat at the with, end the with the open seat next open to him. Next to him. He, padded he padded the center, the center of, of the bar stool. Saved your seat. Tonight, he wore a t-shirt that had a picture of entwined utensils that says, I, I like, like to fork spoon after, after I, I fork. A part of me wanted to reply, can we get a jump start on the forking? But I behaved because I noticed across from the seat was Sharon. Dear holy entity above, what the hell was she wearing? My boss looked like a hooker. Breathe, stay calm, and say something nice. Anything but what was on the tip of my tongue. Something that doesn't talk about her. Damn, Sharon, your girls came out to play. I had absolutely no willpower in life. The straw of her glass rose to her lips as she arched a well-manicured eyebrow at me before saluting me with her drink before she put it back down.
What's the point of having them if you hide them away in layers of tops? Ooh, point for the boss lady. I had on three shirts. The first, a green camisole, and then a button-down shirt over top with half of the buttons undone. Last, a sweater, Last because, a sweater it's November, because it's November and I, can't, and I can't stand being cold. My girls were in hibernation. So, foot and mouth girl, whatever's on tap? Curtis asked. I nodded, still trying to form a retort to Sharon's thrown shade. He remembered my beverage of choice, whatever is on tap. First, he saved me a seat. And next, and next my, my beer based on budget choice. I wish he saw me as a sex object. Though, Sharon probably had a point about the whole clothing thing. If I wanted to be sexy, I probably should have tried to dress that way. I really disliked my boss, especially when she's right. As always, I watched him walk away as he left the table to get me a beer. Then, then I, turned I turned and, and greeted the rest of my friends. My foot tapped against the metal posts of the stool as I listened to a poor rendition of a newer country song. When someone butchered a song, it made my day. What's the point of karaoke if everyone sounded like they ripped the vocal cords from the throats of angels? I want to hear some glass-shattering, nerve-fraying, cat-howling, throw-down noise. That way, when I stepped on stage and sounded moderately decent, I'd be a welcome relief. Daria... It's a good thing he turned his back. You just molested him eight ways to Sunday with those eyes. Okay, so two points for boss lady, a big fat zero for inept verbal volleyballer Daria Gale Platts. What does one say to their boss that shouldn't be out drinking with her subordinates? Suck it. Well, not my best retort ever, but it worked just the same, I guess. She gave me an odd look. Her small pink tongue darted out for a second. She looked she at me looked with at a me cross with sadness, of sadness, and I swear I saw her eyes filling with moisture. That woman had a touch of crazy. When Curtis came back with my beer, I was more than ready to divert my attention from Sharon to anything else. Dance with me? Whereas I went to a bar to sing, Curtis went to dance. He's the only straight man I'd ever met who genuinely liked to dance. Me? I was born with two left feet and an invisible third one that tripped me. However, I loved any excuse to be in his arms, so I hopped off the stool, beer in hand, and went with him. The next song was an oldie by a legendary country artist. He held out his hand to me. With flair, I bowed before him and took his in mine. He pulled me close and wrapped his arms around me. I'd like to say this was because he wanted to hold me close, but really, if he didn't lead me on the floor completely, I'd bust up his toes. We learned this over the last few years of going to bars together. As I tried to keep my feet in rhythm with his, I learned two things. One, he smelled amazing. I wanted to bury my nose in his neck and inhale the essence that made up Curtis Winterborn. As his hands moved down toward my ass, I completely forgot what the second thing was. Holy crap, he grabbed my butt. I looked up at him. His eyes sparkled with amusement. You should see your face right now. I almost dropped my beer. That would have been a travesty. Good beer shouldn't go to waste. I'll kiss you now, Daria. What? No sooner did he say the words when his mouth dipped down and captured mine. At first, the shock made my mind draw blank, as if I'd forgotten how to kiss. Then reality kicked in and I remembered how long I wanted this. With my fingers around the neck of the bottle, I wrapped my arms around his neck and returned his kiss with gusto. By the time he drew back, I lost the ability to breathe, think, and speak in that order. 
I blinked a few times as I stared at him. My mouth still carried the taste of his lips. Well, golly gee, sir, I believe you just altered the entire course of our friendship. He leaned forward and kissed the tip of my nose, which made me crinkle it. I'm tired of waiting for you to make the first move. Now it all made sense. I hadn't yet woken up for the day. That explains Sharon's cryptic goodbye from work and this anomaly of Curtis's mouth on mine. I'm still warm and snug in bed with a big old smile on my lips. Maybe I was waiting on you. Then you should have said so. That defeats the purpose of the first move. Touché. We danced the next song, and in those few moments, I knew bliss. I didn't know when my dreams became a reality, but tonight, under the corny strobe lighting of my favorite bar, Curtis Winterborn kissed me. I leaned closer, resting my cheek against his shoulder and breathed in his scent. God, he smells so good. One of our next local favorites is up next. Come on over, Daria. The usual excitement I experienced when about to sing didn't happen because I didn't want to step away from Curtis. That's you. No, they mean some other, Daria. Get your ass on stage. Fine, fine. I pulled away and walked up to the stage. The funny thing about being a regular at a small bar, the DJ learned what you could sing. She handed me the microphone and smiled. Thanks, sweetie. The night is a barren wasteland for people wanting to sing. No worries. I was only making out on your dance floor. The music started and I giggled. The song from the, the DJ played a song from the 90s about kissing. Never let it be said that the women in this town didn't have a sense of humor. As soon as the music started, the lights went out and the sound died. My heart skipped a beat as a tremor of fear ran up my spine. It was hard enough to be on stage in front of others, but to be on stage in the dark with no music made my nerves fray. The darkness settled on the crowd, and for a moment every person in the bar fell silent. Apprehension filled me as I felt a presence in front of me, though I couldn't see anyone there. While the dark was intense, it wasn't pitch black, so I questioned my belief that I wasn't alone on the stage. A sharp pain exploded throughout my chest. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. My mouth gaped as I tried to scream, but no sound came out. When the lights came on, I looked out at the crowd, their mirrored expressions of horror making me stagger back. Again, I tried to speak, but the taste of copper flooded my mouth. A woman screamed as I fell to the ground. My legs just gave out as if they no longer worked. I looked down at my chest and saw a dark red stain spreading. Blood, Blood dribbled, dribbled from, from my, from my mouth, mouth to the front of my well-covered boobs. What the hell? Why was I bleeding? Curtis rushed up to the stage and put his arms around me. He pulled my head toward his chest. Daria, look at me. I blinked a few times as I tried to stare up at him, but his face was all fuzzy and unfocused. That's it. Stay with me. Call 911! I tried to talk, but gargled nonsense dribbled out of my mouth. I couldn't feel my arms or my legs. My, my eyelids, eyelids closed, closed on their, on own, their own accord. accord. Each, Each breath, breath from my chest, chest took, took more effort than I had left to give. The real threat of death took root in my chest as panic set in. No, don't close your eyes. Look at me. My, my lips curled in a smile as I gave my last breath. At least I died in Curtis's arms. Chapter 3 the choice of a lifeline. They, not that I knew who they are, 
say in death, a person experiences the sensation of going through a long, dark tunnel with a light at the end. They lied. There was no tunnel, just the chaos and panic that erupted after my life ended. Curtis held my bloodied body as he alternated between calling out for help and telling me to stay with him. He babbled about kissing me for the first time and how it wasn't enough for him. It made me happy that he it admitted, made me happy the, same that he admitted the same emotion for me I had for him. Except I was dead. Who died while singing karaoke? Taking away from the fact that it was total degradation to die so exposed on stage with everyone and their drunk-ass mother staring at me, I didn't even know how I died. No matter how hard, no matter I, reflected how hard I reflected on when the lights went out, the only memory that surfaced was a vague sense of someone in front of me before the explosion of pain in my chest. My life my didn't life flash before didn't my flash eyes. Before my eyes. I don't know why it bothered me to not experience these things, but I felt cheated that death was nothing more than watching your lifeless body. Where were the angels? Okay, that's reaching in my case. But where were the demons? The soul reapers that would carry my body to the pearly gates to await judgment. There had to be more to death than watching paramedics attempt to work on your lifeless body. Time ticked by. Bar patrons couldn't get out fast enough. The blood all over my body probably clued them in that a murderer was in Probably clued them in that a murderer was in Police officers corralled everyone by the bar to take down their names and addresses. No one saw anything. One minute I was up on stage, the next minute I was dead on the ground. God, even at the end of my life, I was messing it all up. Good evening. I swiveled around, but the movement proved unnecessary as my focus just shifted from in front of me to behind. Amidst all the chaos and confusion, one lone patron sat at the table with a goblet of amber liquid in his hand as if nothing happened. The man stared right at me. He wore a suit that would have stood out like a sore thumb in the dive we were in, chiseled in a Greek god kind of way with a square chin and eyes that a girl could get lost in. Are you talking to me? You seem to be the only person floating around. Why aren't the police questioning you? Not that I found it a trifle suspicious or anything. Someone murdered me. I didn't think I rated high enough on anyone's dislike list for murder. Apparently you do, in fact, rate on someone's list of people to murder as you are dead. The man, the man took, took a, a swig, swig of his liquor and lifted, and lifted it level, it level with, with his eyes. eyes. The, the look, look of appreciation made less sense than, than my apparent death. The glass made an audible thug as it hit the wooden surface. No one looked at him no one or even him, noticed or that even a random, person, that a random was person was still at the table drinking. Did you just read my mind? Yes, I did. I'm only here as a courtesy. You slipped through the cracks before they put a freeze on death. The pure explosion of randomness that spewed forth took me by surprise. A freeze on death? Who are you? Who killed me? Why am I dead? Am I going to heaven? Don't answer that last one. I, I, I've never been a very good person. I cannot answer your questions. I suggest you hang out with your body, take in the sights. I'm sure the strike will end soon, and you can move on. What strike? Death workers feel entitled to more than we have given them. To set the universe right, they've stopped working. I believe your unions do similar things when workers wish to fight the system. The disdain in his voice wilted my rampant curiosity. I died at a karaoke bar. 
The unfairness of it all crept into my stupor. All the things I didn't do or should have done. As I thought on it, there wasn't a lot I had going for me. I had a crappy position at a place that didn't appreciate me. Other than Curtis showing interest in me after months of hardcore crushing, I had no real emotional connections to anyone. My, my parents, parents passed died. away years ago. Their world revolved around me, but they left me far too soon. My friends were acquaintances from work that I bonded with over beer and accounts from work. I wasted my entire life doing absolutely nothing of value or importance. Your thoughts are depressing. I apologize that you have not led a fulfilled life, he said. Young Daria, one day this will make sense. I wanted to meet you. Your decisions have such a pivotal role in our world. If, if I had, had eyes, I'm sure I'd I'm be sure in tears. It... My entire life reduced to inconveniencing a... Wait, I don't even know who or what this man was. Who are you? I'm someone who's deeply sorry that your life has ended. We had hoped that the strike would not occur, but alas, it has. Who are we? The Council of Life. Then, to top off my extraordinary night, he disappeared before my eyes. Well, if I still had eyes, which was subjective to the condition I found myself in. So I took his advice. I stayed with my body, watched the surrounding people. Those from work huddled around with tears in their eyes. At least my passing had meant something to someone. Sharon stayed with Curtis, attached at his hip, until he went into the ambulance with my corpse. As the door shut on the ambulance, a moment of panic set in. He told me to stay with my body, and my body was about to leave. I reached forward and tried to touch the ambulance door. The faded view of my fingers slipped right past the metal frame as if nothing stood in my way. I took a, I took a moment to reflect how utterly cool it was to pass through a solid object— and then took the full plunge. Within a few seconds, I breached the ambulance and hovered over my body once more. The distinguished gentleman from earlier popped in the ambulance soon after. He sat down on the bench next to the gurney between Curtis and the paramedic. One more thing. Your spiritual guide feels terrible that they cannot assist you with this transition because of the strike. They've asked that I return and give you a choice. I had a spiritual guide? Perhaps the day wasn't a total loss. That's okay. We all have priorities, I guess. You would be sympathetic. Why aren't you hysterical anyway? I thought all you lot had huge breakdowns when you died. I couldn't muster enough outrage to have a breakdown. I'm dead. I can't change it. I just don't know what to do from here. This strike thing, it's not your fault. The Reapers want more power in the Council... The angels want free will. The demons want hell all to themselves without the invasion of twisted human souls. They spend their entire lives transitioning humans one way or another with little to no reward. Are you a reaper? God, no, God, I, no, couldn't, I handle. couldn't handle talking to basket-case humans all the time. Are you an angel? Do you see wings? Are you a demon? Ditto for horns. Well, what's left? The universe is vast. There are countless creatures that roam it. Let's just say I'm like a congressman of sorts. I represent people who cannot speak for themselves at the Council of Life. 
though rarely do I represent humans. I felt bad that death would strand you at a bar when you died. You must be a very good politician. I keep asking questions, and you have yet to answer one. I'm the best. Now I'm tempted to put you back in that body just to save myself the paperwork. Do you want to live? Uh, duh. It beats the alternative of haunting my corpse. Here's the thing. Humans who have actual death experiences come back with a few quirks. Well, more than a few. Basically, you'll come back completely changed. Still a go for corpse reanimation? I won't be a zombie, will I? Eating brains is disgusting. You won't have to eat brains. I just can't imagine eating someone's brains for survival. Silver lining and all. So is that a yes? Will I still be me? You'll be you with alterations. In what way? It's different for everyone. I need to know, like right now. Was I ready to find out what was I ready to find death? out what waited for me after Not death? a chance in hell. Fine, put me back or do whatever you have to do. That a girl. No paperwork for me. With that, With that his hand flung me. out and grabbed me. His hand me. gripped my essence well, and forced it back into my body. Even though I wasn't sure why, I struggled against him. My survival skills, which sucked on stage, kicked into high gear and I fought him with everything I had. Sadly, Sadly this, this amounted to more, more of a shimmering convulsion than an actual battle. For a few moments, I felt my lifeless body. Nothing worked, but an energy within me seemed to grow. Who knew how long I'd been dead, or even if I ever died? All I knew was that tonight ranked as the weirdest night in my life, and I'm sure that when I wake up tomorrow, I will need a ton of alcohol to have it all make sense. It's probably not normal to kill off characters in the first couple of chapters, but, you know, I never did do things the normal way. This is Christy, and I hope you enjoyed Defiance in Death. Check back soon for more chapters.